And Susan Collenberg. Freedom to Choose is brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope and help to those lost in addiction. Rich and Susan are a husband and wife team who found grace and freedom from 20 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. They broke free from their bondage 15 years ago and are here to share their experience of God's power in recovery. God can change lives. Now, here's Rich and Susan with freedom to choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. Susan, last time we talked about giving complete control of our lives to God and that uh, that there's a difference between feeling good and being good and, and uh, how to base our decisions. And sometimes we base them on needs rather than logic and reason. And you know, we convince ourselves we need something, and so there we therefore we base our decisions on that. What are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to continue talking about um, giving complete control of our lives to God, and once again, why it's so hard to do that. That's right. Why is it so hard for some of us to give God control of our lives? You know, uh, some have asked, there, if you hear that uh, violin music uh, that in the beginning of the program and in the uh, at the end— uh, we just wanted to thank our friend Jamie George. He's a uh, he's a friend of ours that let us use that music. He plays uh, violin, Christian music, um, and if you are interested in hearing some of that music, you can go to jamiegeorge.com. It's J A I M E J O R G E dot com, and uh, and investigate it's his music. music. It's beautiful music. Beautiful music, and we we just wanted to thank him for letting us use that music for our radio program. Um, Susan, would you begin today's program with a word of prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to um, be speaking about you and your grace and your love. We just pray that you will impress us for the things to say and that uh, hearts and minds will be open. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I mentioned in an earlier program about the piece of property that my wife and I live on just outside of Lincoln. It has a seasonal creek flowing through it. That runs about from, I don't know, November to June every year. And each year there are ducks that come and mate in the little pond that I built on the creek. They're fun to watch, they, and things usually go well with their mating and the raising of their little ones unless there's an unusually low amount of rainfall for that year. Now, this year it's been fine, but sometimes it's not fine. If that happens, the pond can run dry, and it becomes very difficult for the mothers to raise their little ducklings. That was the case a couple of years ago. There was a mallard hen that had about six ducklings. She was trying to raise them in this little puddle of muddy water where the pond was supposed to be. So what'd you do, Rich? So I installed this. I'm I'm a codependent, so I installed a pipe to the pond from my water supply to supplement the pond and keep at least some water in it until the ducks were old enough to leave. Well, see, this particular year it was so dry that in the early spring the grass was already brown. There was dust everywhere, and it was hard to keep water in the pond without running the water continuously. Now, one evening I walked over to check the pond to see if the water needed to be turned on. It was late. 
it was just about dusk, and I didn't realize that the mother was right there with her ducklings, and I spooked her. And she flew off into the night, and the little ducklings scattered up into the field. They went every which way, chirping for their mother as they wandered into the tall brown grass. I went into the house and waited for the mother to come back. See, you could, from our bedroom window, you can see the pond. It's only about 40 feet away or so. So I had the, I had the blinds turned open, and, you know, I would just check about every five or ten minutes to see if she'd come back. She didn't come back for over an hour, and I began to come, be, you know, get kind of worried. Finally, she returned in the darkness and began trying to gather up all the little ducklings, and she'd making her funny noises and wanted, walk, waddling around, which usually is amusing and cute, but not when you realize you've just scattered all of her little ducklings off into the night. So I heard her quacking all through the night. And when I looked out the window in the morning, she was still wandering the field looking for her ducklings, but they weren't there. She looked all day the next day and all through the next night. But to the best of my knowledge, she lost them all. I'm an animal lover, and I felt so bad. There's nothing I could do but learn a valuable lesson. Just as this mother hen was the source of life for her little ducklings, God is our source of life. And just as it was easy for me to separate those little ducklings from their source of life, it is easy for us to get separated from our source of life. It's so important when turning our lives over to the care of God that we don't get separated. We don't have any better chance of surviving as those little ducklings could without their mother. That's what truth is. But there are people in this world who will tell you and be very adamant about it that they can survive without God or that you can survive without God. Don't believe it. Do not believe it. God is our source of life. He's our only source of life. I don't think we have a conception. I don't think we understand how much God sustains us on a day. He didn't just spin this earth and watch it go off into the night like a top and leave us. He sustains us. He's the life giver. He is the source. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's it. And so God just did not spin this planet like a top and let it go off into outer space and we sustain ourselves. That's not how it works. Right. But you know, I remember when um, I was very young, I had um, went to private school in a different town that I lived in. And, and in the third grade, I uh, attended some drama classes that were held at the, at the community park. And um, there was a large group from school that went, so we all walked together and, and walked to the park together and had our class. And one day, either my mom or my babysitter would come pick me up. And one day, I waited as, you know, the other kids were being picked up. And, and pretty soon, my friend left, and she said, do you want to come to my house? And I said, no, that's okay. My, my mom will be here. And uh, pretty soon, the last person left, and I was there by myself. And um, I started to look around. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any money. This when pay phones were around. Now I don't know if there's any pay phones, but I didn't have any money to, to be able to call. And, you know, my mom uh, lived like 15 miles away. And here I am, and I did not know what to do. It was um, at a park, and there was a, a small zoo there as well. And it started to get dark. And all I could think about was how was I going to make it through the night? How was I going to take care of myself and I went and I 
I huddled underneath a bush and, and the, the monkeys from the zoo were making all kinds of noises and I was just petrified to be out on my own and not knowing what to do. I didn't realize how much I needed my mom and my dad to take care of me. That's an interesting story. It's kind of a microcosm, I think, of what happens. You know, there's people that, that just believe we sustain ourselves and that we don't need God. You know, Malcolm Forbes once said, the dumbest people I know are those that know it all. You know, and I think this is why the rebirth and the new mindset is so important. You know, understanding that God created us, understanding that he sustains us, understanding that he wants the best for us, understanding more and more about God gives us a reason to live. Right, and understanding that we need him, but also understanding that he needs us. He needs us. Yep. None of us can be replaced. We're all different. We all have our, I don't know. No, idiosyncrasies is, yeah whatever but we're all different you know i mean i uh so this new mindset this new set of beliefs uh because that's what a mindset is it's a set of beliefs or a way of thinking that determines somebody's behavior and outlook right in proverbs 23 7 it says for as he thinks in his heart so is he what you think determines your behavior so Follow this. If we surrender to Jesus, because that's what we're talking about now, we're talking about giving him complete control of our lives and why it's so so important. So follow this train of thought, because Jesus wants you, number one, to get healthy and recover the ability to think straight. But if we surrender to Jesus, we will have right thoughts. And if we have right thoughts, we will make right choices. And right choices lead to right actions. Right actions lead to right habits. Right habits form a right character. And a right character will make a good neighbor in heaven, won't it? That's right. And I think that that's all starts out with that surrender to Jesus to have those right thoughts. That's where it starts. God promises us, if you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. The whole heart must be given to God. So we need to search for God as hard as we search for drugs. That's that was right. our commitment. That was our commitment. When we first got clean and sober, we knew it was God that had saved us from the pit, literally the pit, from you know, from from the gutter. And and we decided that that was our commitment. That was our goal in life was to search for God the way that we had searched for drugs. And I don't know I know that's what got us through because we had that common goal and God was at the apex of that common goal. He was our focal point. I'm not that he isn't now, but I mean, as we flash back and say, how did we finally make it? How did we get through? And as we look back, how many, how come so many others didn't make it through? I mean, there's so many that have, that, that people that we ran with that are dead, that are, are permanently messed up with a stroke, uh, have gone off and we've never heard of them before. What was different about our recovery? It was because we both decided God had done it. He gets the glory. He's our focus. And we took this text to heart. You shall seek me and ye shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. So let's talk about surrender. Does it really mean give up? Because see, when, you, when we as Christians say, I, I want to surrender my life to God, I surrender all. I surrender all. The worldly mind takes that, and they see somebody curled up in the ball in the corner saying they've surrendered, they've given up, you know? And and see, we get a 
maybe maybe a mental picture of a soldier somewhere waving a white flag he's been captured by the enemy and in his mind now his life is over you know he sees the torture chambers he sees the 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 bamboo shoots under the fingernails or whatever they're going to do to try all the you know one of the things is that all the fun is over with everything yeah it's going to be boring yeah so we we get this this surrender this but see this description this this soldier waving a white flag this person curled up in a ball in the corner is is not what the definition of surrender means in recovery. In fact, it's the exact opposite. By surrendering, we are actually being released or freed from the enemy. Uh, it, surrender in addiction means what? It means to yield to strong emotion or temptation for the sake of self-gratification. Uh-huh. That's, well, that's, in, that's in drug addiction. That's in drug. Well, what does surrender in recovery mean? It means an act of relinquishing control or possession to somebody or something for healing purposes. For healing purposes. Why? Because our way didn't work. Right. Why? Because our thinking didn't work. Why? Because we needed to be in control and that didn't work. Right. So let's go to the person who made us. Maybe he knows better, you know? And so that's what that's what happens in recovery. It's important that we understand the difference between these two definitions of surrender because they are diametrically opposed to one another. On one hand, if we're yielding to temptation or emotion for the sake of gratifying self, that's old behavior. That's addiction. But we have a new heart, right? We have a desire to do the right thing because it is right. So that's old behavior is 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 yielding to that emotion, yielding to something saying I need to be in control or I need to be accepted or I need to blow off a little steam. Or I need to change that feeling. I've got to have something that's going to take me away so I can forget or I can escape. Right. And that is old behavior. But the, the behavior that we're walking away from, so to speak, the giving of oneself over to a certain substance or behavior that in the long run will hurt us and the ripple effect, quite possibly many other people. Now, did you know that the Bible uses almost the exact same phrase about giving oneself over? That is an interesting phrase. Can you read that uh, as in Jude 1-7 when the Bible is speaking of behavioral addictions? It says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Do you find that interesting? Mm-hmm. I find it very interesting. It becomes a way of life if you look in Ephesians. Ephesians 4.17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity given themselves over. And you know what? The Bible right there in, in Ephesians 4.17 makes a correlation between what you think and how you act because it says, do not do what the Gentiles, Gentiles do and walk in the futility of their minds. That means what they're thinking, that's what they're doing. Right. And it's futile. Correct. It's futile. And so if we're really... But giving ourselves over to these... These practices, these impure things, that's addiction. But if we're relinquishing control or to someone or something for healing purposes, that's different. That's recovery. Right, because, see, God gave each one of us the freedom to choose. 
he said, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the chance and let each one of you decide for yourselves what kind of a life you want to have. That's right. And many times when we're caught up in addictions, we don't recognize that we have the freedom to choose. We think that we're, we're stuck and we're never going to change. And God is trying to help us to recognize, and that's what we try to do, is we try to help people recognize that they do have the freedom to choose. That's right. You see, the devil doesn't just take what he wants. We have to give ourselves over to him. And I knew in, in my addiction that I was thoroughly convinced that that's the way I was going to live, and so, then I was going to die. So was I. Say, about it, you. About me. <laughs> right. I think everybody was, right? Correct. Well, so that's a testimony to God's power. That is, that's what that is, because somehow, some way, he got my attention. Well, it, it was. it's interesting, because both of us had used for about 25 years each. We had gone through a long, long, long life of addiction, and at the, at the end of our addiction, both of us were at the brink of death. We, we were just about all done. Yeah, it was, in fact, uh, I'm quite certain if I'd have used drugs a day or two more, I would have died. I mean, that's how bad it was. It was not pretty. Uh, let me repeat that, though. The devil doesn't just take what he wants. We have to give ourselves over to him. Now, by the same token, if we want Jesus to rule in our lives, we must give ourselves over to him. Because, see, he's a gentleman. He does not go where he's not welcome. He doesn't just come and take. He doesn't come and take. He doesn't come and force. He doesn't barge his way in. Remember, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why is he knocking? Because he's on the outside. Right. That's the door of the heart. He stands at the door and knocks. If any man opens, he will come in. Right. He will come in. But he needs to be invited. He needs to be invited. So... We don't give ourselves over to the devil anymore. We give ourselves over to Jesus. In other words, there's, there's a new person on the throne of our hearts. Because we can't serve two masters. We can only serve one master. We can master. only serve one master, and Jesus makes that very clear. See, the word surrender in this case does not mean to give up. It means to give over. Okay? In order to have our nature renewed, in order to begin the process of transformation, we must take on a new mindset of giving ourselves over completely to him. Surrendering all to the will of God involves a struggle, though, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But we both know, Susan and I know, that you, we must submit to the will of God. It's simple, but it's not easy. Sometimes it's a minute-by-minute thing, isn't it? Sometimes days go by, a day will go by, and, and I don't know if it's just because everything's going well and I feel good, and I feel like I'm submitted to the will of God, and then all of a sudden a couple of trials will come along, and I'll question my Christianity again. So I can't go by those feelings. I have to go by what the Word of God says, and he says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive those sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Then I have to continue to repeat those those texts, especially when I have doubt that I'm surrendered to him. Right. I always like, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians twelve nine. his strength is made perfect in my weakness. And that's right. And that's right. Maybe that's the reason why Paul never got completely well. And Lord, the Lord, Paul says, heal my affliction. And he says, I'll hear no more of the matter. Right. You know, because there's, there's some of us that may need to... Uh, affliction that draws us closer to God. Right. God knows what he's doing. 
We have to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understandings. In all our ways acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. Believe it or not, our minds need exercise just like our bodies do. If we don't use our muscles, they'll shrivel up and get weak. Our brains are the same way. They need exercise so that we can get and remain mentally fit. Many times in life, both what we feel like doing and what we want to do are not always the same as what we need to do. We might not always feel like getting our exercise for the day, drinking the right amount of water, or reading our Bibles, but we know in our recovery that's the right thing to do. And now, so, and we need to spend time with God. That's, we, that's, that's a new right. habit that we need to start. That's right. Now, I've done a lot of brain damage with the, with the methamphetamine abuse. And so my eating and exercise habits are very regimented or else I'll get depressed. It's just that simple. So I, so I eat the right food. I exercise at the right time every day. I go to bed at the same time every day. And I do these not because they're rules or not because it's something that's ruling my life. It's something that I know if I don't do for myself, I will treat other people bad. I will treat other people selfishly because I won't be right in the head. Right. And, you know, we go through this in our workbook. At the end of each of our chapters, we have a progress report, and we add things week by week. In the beginning, it's drink water, get some exercise, um, do a do, write in your journal, um, and, and you chart that so that you build some new habits. And as you go on, there's more things. We, we try to teach you how to memorize scripture and, and um, suggest scripture, and just, just so that your mind is set in the right path. And, and this is not exclusively for someone that's an alcoholic or a drug addict. This can be anybody that's struggling with any kind of behavior that they want to crowd out of their lives. That's right. We're, we're right in the middle of a program right now where we're, where we're doing a, a 14-week. We're just about at the last, I think this week is the last program. And we have people coming that were suffering with anger or jealousy and have gone through the program, you know, just church members yeah. that, and really felt um, a lot of relief. Right. You know, we were doing a job down in Stockton. It was in a prison. And I remember going into that prison and giving him my idea. And I was in the, you drive through the first gate. And then there's another gate. And you go through the sally port. And then there's another gate. And you then all of a sudden you're in with those prisoners. And that's when you get really nervous, right? And as I was, and they give you this little box and they say, hit the button if if a prisoner messes with you and you will come and pick you up and it makes you really nervous and so when you leave that prison and you go through the first gate into that sally port there's a sense of relief but you know what you're still in prison and so then when you leave the sally port there's another sense of relief but you know what you're still in that prison the only time that you feel full relief is when you drive off those prison grounds. Now, I know for myself, and I have this tendency too, I look at people that are doing really bad things and I say, oh, well, I'm not one of them. You know what? A person can be in prison and not be and not think that they're all the way in, and they're still in prison. Right, they're still bound by they're their... are still bound by... It's not the really, really bad people in the really, really bad prison, but you're not... In the prison of your own mind. In the prison of your own mind, and you're not out of that prison until you're off the grounds. Right. And so I, that's when the sense of relief comes. 
And that's so, the complete control. Just because we're not in with the drunks, just because we're not in with the drug addicts, does not mean we cannot still be in prison in our own mind. I want you to understand that true freedom comes from the freedom to choose that Jesus has given us that we might choose him, that we might surrender our will and our lives to him. It doesn't mean to give up. It means to give over. Our tendency is to give ourselves over to Satan. We want to blame, we want to, we want to blame uh, everything on Satan that he took. But wait a minute. We, the Bible says we give ourselves over. Remember, surrendered means to give ourselves over to God. And that's so important, isn't it? It is. Now, remember, you can skip more information on www.justasiamministries.com. And remember, folks, there are only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle, and the other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? to choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity and being overrun with the devastation of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials and have created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Book for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916 916- 645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com as a nonprofit. They are blessed by people like you. 916-645-1297 or www.justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. <laughs>